Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, salt and light. You are the salt of the earth, but if, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Good morning. I think Tom is a good guesser. So Travis has been preaching on a theme that is sent or being sent, and he has been preaching out of the book of Acts. I thought that I would stay in the same theme, but out of his territory. So I'll speak today on the theme of being sent, but from Matthew and the verses that Tom just read. Uh, you know, with, with Travis, and I think you'll notice that, but for me, with Travis, every time he speaks, there is something that I say I've never heard about it. You will not have that experience today. So <laughs> it's, I'm going to speak on a simple topic, something that you have heard many times in your life. But at the same time, I don't think this is a bad thing because when we speak to one another, when we bring the word of God to one another, sometimes repeating things is not that bad, yes? So here is my repeating. <laughs> So as, as a way of introduction, I'll say that influence is something that we all possess. We may not think so, or we may not be aware of it. We may, th may think that nobody takes notice of us or what we say or what we do, but the truth is that they do. They do take notice, and all of us have influence on the others. The question is, what kind of influence are we going to be? an influence for good or an influence for bad. You know, the power of influence is recognized by, for example, the businesses who will use celebrities to market their products. The marketing teams know that if they can get a well-known celebrity to endorse their products, they will have a great influence upon the sale of those products. And they, that's why, you know, in the commercials, you see Tom Langley everywhere. I meant Tom Brady, I'm sorry. <laughs> Tom, Tom Langley, the only thing that he advertises is the Word of God through that wonderful tool of Word English Institute that he goes with everywhere in the world. And, you know, he should be a celebrity, and he is a celebrity among the brotherhood. So, Tom, that was not a bad job after all. So. In, in the passage that we read this morning, Jesus uses two metaphors to demonstrate the kind of influence that we as Christians are to have upon the world where we live. He speaks of his disciples as the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And this morning we want to think about what Jesus meant when he said, when he said this. What does it mean to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. In Matthew 5:13, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, 
But if the salt loses his saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Salt, or sodium chloride to give it its chemical name, was a valuable commodity in biblical times. Roman soldiers were paid part of their wages in salt. The English world salary comes from the Latin word for salt. In some societies, taxes were imposed upon salt. Wars were fought between nations over supplies of salt. And this is in early times, okay? Salt is not that worthy anymore. What was it about salt that made it such a precious commodity? Salt actually serves many functions, but there are two of those that are relevant to our lesson this morning. Salt is used to give flavor to the food. Job 6.6 asks, can tasteless food be eaten without salt? So we add salt to our food, either while the food is being cooked or even afterwards, we sprinkle it over it. Salt is a necessary part of our diet, although we're often warned that too much salt can be damaging to us. We need about one teaspoon of salt a day. Salt helps to control the amount of water in the body. It maintains the normal pH value in our blood. It helps with the transmission of nerve signals and muscle constructions. Salt is also used as a preservative. In the days before fridges and freezers, food could be preserved by the use of salt. Salt could be rubbed into meat to slow or prevent the, prevent the process of decay. Salt inhibits the growth of bacteria, which causes decay in food. A solution of salt can also be used as antiseptic for wounds. So when we consider these uses of salt, we can understand what Jesus meant when he said to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. Just as salt gives flavor and seasoning to the food, so Christians should give flavoring and seasoning to the world in which they live. The influence of Christians can make society a nicer place to live. Christians should set an example of joy and contentment in life. Others will notice this behavior and our presence can make the world a happier place to be. People will notice how we deal with difficulties and problems with a sense of joy. Our joy can transmit to others. You know, it's not just the viruses that transmit, the joy can be transmitted very easily. Paul applies this idea of seasoning to our speech in Colossians 4, 6, and he says, let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Speech that is seasoned with salt will be pleasant to the hearer. We are the salt of the earth when our speech and deeds bring a sense of joy and happiness in the world. Salt can also function as a preventer of decay. And what is most applicable to Jesus' words, this is what is most applicable to Jesus' words, you are the salt of the earth. The world we live in is in a state of moral decay. 
moral standards fall short of God's expectations. Second Peter 1, 4 speaks of the corruption that is in the world caused by evil desires. Sin is a corrupting influence in the world, but just as the application of salt can inhibit the process of decay and corruption in meat, so the presence of Christians in the world can inhibit the decay and corruption of society. Do people at work act with more restraint when you are around because they know you are Christian and they appreciate your Christian values? Some people may not be Christian themselves, but they will respect your values as a Christian and they will behave differently around you. This is our good influence. This is our influence of the salt or like the salt of the earth. The world needs good people who live by godly standards to restrain immoral behavior. To be a good preserving influence, our lives need to be an example of purity. 1 John 3.3 says, All who have this hope in him purify themselves as he is pure. And in a little early, in verses 1 and 2, in this portion of the Bible, he has compared, I mean, it's the moment that uh, Christians are being called the children of God, and they have the hope or even certainty that they will look like Christ when Christ comes. So this is what he's talking about here. All that, that have this hope to look like Christ, uh, Jesus, they purify themselves as he is pure. So Jesus expects his disciples to be this salt-like influence which will inhibit the moral corruption and decay of our society and be an example of purity. Jesus goes on to say, but if salt lo loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? To be an effective preventer of decay, salt has to retain its quality of saltiness. In Jesus' time, the salt was, that was used was not the refined, pure sodium chloride that we use. Rather, it was rock salt in which the sodium chloride is mixed with other minerals and chemical compounds. When this type of rock salt is exposed to dampness, the sodium chloride content will seep out, leaving a useless pile of dirt then it is impossible to restore its content. And Jesus says, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. All you can do is discard it on the pathway. If we are meant to be salt which prevents decay and we lose our saltiness, we become ineffective disciples. Our good influence can be lost. This can happen if we turn back to our old lives, the lives that we had before we became Christians. In 1 Peter 1, 14 and 15, Peter says that we are to retain our holiness. He says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Returning to the evil desires of our former ignorance will cause us to lose our saltiness and thereby become an ineffective influence in the world. Under the image of salt, Jesus is encouraging his disciples, is encouraging us 
to retain our good influence, to be a force for good in the world, preventing our society from further moral decay. The second metaphor that Jesus uses is that of light. In Matthew 5:14, he says, you are the light of the world. God is himself described as light in 1 John 1, 5. It says, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Light describes the essence of being of God. Jesus claimed to be the light of the world in John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And again in John 9, 5, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Light is something that is essential for life to exist. The trees and plants need light for the process of photosynthesis to take place. This process uses light and carbon dioxide to produce the sugars necessary for the tree or the plant to grow. As a byproduct, oxygen is produced which we need to live. Without light, there can be no life on Earth. Also, our bodies need vitamin D for healthy bones, and vitamin D is produced by the skin when our skin is exposed to sunlight. We need light not only to live and to be healthy, but also for the general day-to-day -day activities of life. Light enables us to see so we can do our work. Life enables us to admire the beauties that surround us. Light provides a guide. You know, when we travel at night, the, the headlights of a car will guide us home during the dark hours. The important function of light is to dispel the darkness so that, when, that we can see more clearly and be kept safe. What did Jesus mean when he said to his disciples, you are the light of the world? Jesus is speaking in spiritual terms here. Light and darkness are used to describe two contrasting spiritual conditions. Darkness is associated with ignorance and sinfulness. It is used to describe our spiritual condition before we become Christians. Our sin kept us in darkness, separated from the light of God. But by becoming Christians, we come out of that darkness of sin and ignorance and into the light of God, which gives us life and understanding. It is now our role, the role of the disciple of Jesus, to reflect that light, the light of Christ into the world, and so dispel the darkness. Darkness cannot exist where there is light. In John 3, 19-21, John writes, Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come to the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be clearly seen that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. The light of Christ will attract those whose deeds are good and live by the truth, but it will repel those who do evil. As the light of the world, our task is to bring Christ into the world of darkness. This light will expose wrongdoing, but it will also provide guidance and direction to that which is right.
It will show what needs to be corrected. The psalmist in Psalms 119, verse 105 says of the word of God, you, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light on my path. God's word is the light that will guide us on the right path. Being the light of the world requires us to live in a certain way. In Ephesians 5, 8 to 11, Paul writes, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light is, is found in all that is good and right and true, and find out what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Paul draws a contrast between the fruit of light and the unfruitful works of darkness. In Matthew 5:14, Jesus goes on to say, A city built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. A light is not something to be hidden. At nighttime, a city set on a hill will be seen miles around as the, sky light, as the city lights illuminate the night sky. During wartime, it was necessary for the city to be, to be blacked out to prevent enemy bombers finding their targets. We should not be like blacked out cities that nobody can see, but like cities set on a hill whose light cannot be hidden. Likewise, in the home, we do, not, we do not switch on a light and then cover it up. The light is switched on for the purpose of illumination. Like salt, which has lost its saltiness, so a light which is hidden is of no use. It does not serve the function for which it was intended. In Matthew 5:16, Jesus says, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Here, letting your light shine is defined as good work. When we do good works, we let our light shine. But we do not do good works to draw attention to ourselves. The good works we do draw attention to God, and God will be glorified because of them. Peter may have had these words of Jesus in mind when he wrote this in 1 Peter 2.12. Leave such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. God is the source of our good works. This is because as lights of the world, the source of our light does not come from within ourselves. Rather, the source of our light is Christ. And we're simply a reflection of his light. The moon is not a source of light itself, but the moon is like a giant mirror reflecting the light of the sun. It, it, it will never be as bright as the sun, but the light it reflects has its source in the sun. And so it is the same for us. The good works we do are a reflection of the light of God and his goodness. We will never be as bright as the light of God, but the light we reflect through our good works, has God as its source. Hopefully when people look at our lives, they can see the light of God and glorify him. 
Jesus used these two metaphors of salt and light to illustrate the Christian's influence in the world. Salt and light are only useful and effective when they fulfill their purposes. Salt's purpose is to add flavor and to prevent decay. As disciples of Christ, we do this when we exert, our, uh, when we exert an influence of good in the world. We can make the world a better place by living a joyful life and by inhibiting the moral decay around us. The purpose of light is to bring illumination and provide guidance. We do this when, through our good works, we reflect Christ in our lives, pointing to him as the one who changed us and the one who can bring people out of the darkness and ignorance and give them the light of life. If we are to be effective in fulfilling our purpose, we have to pay careful attention to the words of Jesus and to his instructions. In John 17, 18, Jesus is praying to the Father for his apostles. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. He sent us into the world to be dis distinct from the world, not to be like the world. In John 17, 14, Jesus prayed, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world anymore that I am of the world. So Jesus, just as the salt and light are distinct from the things they influence, so we must retain our distinctiveness. A loss of distinction will mean that we are no different from the world. We are in the world to influence it for good, not to become comforted to the world's standards. And may God help us to be what he has sent us to be, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So as we come to a close, I want to say that the, the Jesus' words are challenging. He challenges us to be different from the world. He challenges us to be effective in our influence for good in the world. To become the salt of the earth and the light of the world, we must first become disciples of Jesus, leaving the corruption of the world and the darkness of sin and ignorance. We become followers of Jesus by obeying his word of truth, the gospel, believing in him as the Christ, the Son of God, repenting of our sins and being baptized to receive the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Having committed ourselves to Christ in this way, he then uses us or sends us into the world to be the salt and the light. If there is someone here today that wants to become the salt of the earth and the light of the world by first putting Christ on in baptism, we can do that thing right here and right now. So please come forward. But if there is anyone who has a need for a prayer, and he can, he can do that by expressing his need and coming in front of here or just going to the library and talk to a couple of elders that will be there. So if you have a need like that, please make it known as we stand and as we sing. <laughs>